Take it to a cause, good days to you, I'll tell Of how the good old union is coming here to dwell Thank you for joining us for tonight's celebration and rally in support of Lula's election victory in Brazil. We're just letting the last few people join the webinar before we begin. As well as those of you take, taking part on Zoom, we're also streaming live to Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. To introduce myself, I'm Celia Dignan, the International Secretary of the National Education Union, and I'll be chairing tonight's rally and celebration. We've got an absolutely fantastic range of speakers here with us, including two guests who are out in Brazil to observe the second round vote. I'm really looking forward to hearing from all of them. Lula's election victory has brought hope back to Brazil and inspired progressive activists, politicians and movements around the globe. Lula, the president and trade union leader, will have a direct impact on the lives of tens of millions of Brazilians, the global fight against the far right and the frontline defence of the Amazon, a crucial cause that affects us all. We're also here to celebrate the brilliant work of the campaigns and movements in Brazil and around the world that have made this happen, including Brazilian-led groups here in the UK, like PT London, Frente Preta UK and Brazil Matters, who mobilise activists to come out and vote for Lula, leading to a fantastic result in the UK, with Lula winning over 60% of the vote. While we recognise that this victory is truly a cause for celebration globally, we must also be vigilant against any attempts from Bolsonaro and the far right to undermine the election results. Together, we can show them that the world is watching and that we stand with Lula and with Brazilian democracy. So I'd like to start by introducing you to Julia Felmanis. Julia is the coordinator of the Brazilian Workers' Party in London. PT London carried out great work in the run-up to the election, mobilising Brazilians in the UK to register to vote and then to turn up to the polling station for vibrant and energetic rallies on the days of the vote itself. Thank you, Julia, and over to you. Hi everyone, thank you Celia and thank you once again to uh, Brazil Solidarity Initiative and to all of the brilliant panellists we have here tonight. Yeah, we had a great result in London. Uh, we got, um, like, like Celia just said, 60% of the vote went to Lula and uh, it was brilliant. Brazil, um, we had uh, more of a tight election really. Lula did win, and we're all very happy with that. But uh, with 60 million votes, by the way, um, the actual turnout for both Bolsonaro and Lula was very high. But that only meant 50.9% of the vote, whilst Bolsonaro got 49% of the vote. So how, how difficult is it going to be for Lula uh, to govern? 
First of all, uh, we have a very difficult Congress. Uh, the left has about a fifth of the Congress, which means that for Lula to pass any laws or anything at all, um, is going to have to ally itself with the centre, both centre-left and centre-right. It is also the case that there's been a hardened far-right number of um, congressmen as well in, uh, in Parliament, which means there's going to be some, some hard opposition there. And um, we cannot forget that PT also went into a vast coalition of forces that sort of contemplated second, certainly in the second round, some of the centre-right uh, center parties as well. As a consequence of that, we can see um, that um, um, Lula's transition team includes somebody called Percio Arida, who was an economist who created the Real and was Fernando Henriquez Cardoso's um, president of the central bank. But on the other hand, Lula did have a tight election, but we have to think about the circumstances that he ma managed to get that win. And it is the most amazing win. And I don't think anybody else in Brazilian politics would have been able to defeat Bolsonaro because Bolsonaro, apart from having his extreme right wing base much in the same as, as Trump has, uh, used a number of tactics that we could call at best illegal, let's say. He, um, we had many, many reports um, from the electoral court about of businessmen and rural property landowners who threatened their staff with sacking if they voted for Lula. Thousands, we're talking about thousands of the people who were actually caught um, doing that sort of thing. We had relentless propaganda inside a lot of the evangelical churches who called Lula an antichrist. We had physical violence and death threats and people who actually died throughout the campaign. We also had the, gov the, the, the use of Bolsonaro's use of the governmental machine where he poured billions of reais to try and win the election. For example, the famous Bolsa Familia program, which uh, had sort of stayed there at not a very high le level, was suddenly propped up and, and went up way beyond inflation for the last few months just before the elections. Whereas during the pandemics, there was actually a period when the, it was cut altogether when people most needed this. And even TV Globo sort of showed what was happening inside some of the places in Brazil, like for example, mayors bringing the people who were receiving these sort of benefits, registering them, making sure that they knew who they were, and then giving them some money to vote pro-Bolsonaro. 
And on top of that, on the actual day of the election, we had the highway police, the federal highway police, preventing people from reaching the polling station. So throughout all that, Lula managed to win this election. And I think that says quite a lot about Lula. And this has a lot of has some positives as well as negatives. The first positive it has is that the actual election results do not represent what the Brazilian people want because a lot of people did not have the courage or weren't able to get to the police station to vote the way they wanted to vote, which means that Lula is going to come in with a lot more good faith from the population, the goodwill from the population than perhaps we would have expected to do. The other positive, I would say, is that Bolsonaro's government was so bad, so bad, that anything that Lula does, however bad his government may be, may turn out to be, it will be an improvement on anything that Bolsonaro managed or did not manage to do because, in fact, he never wanted to govern in the first place. And finally, we also have, to a certain extent, the goodwill of the world, especially in terms of what we see in issues to do with the environment because People are very much aware of what it meant to have Bolsonaro there. And I do believe that Bolsonaro was, let's say, an existential threat to the world as we know it. We would have to rethink the way we deal with the, with the world had Bolsonaro stayed in power. Finally, because I, I want obviously to leave some space for people to, to the, some of our great guests, some of, some of them who were in Brazil, like Jeremy Corbyn and Chomsky, to be able to speak. I just wanted to mention as well the amazing resist, resistance of um, the, not just the PT um, activists, but the left-wing activists in general, who throughout this whole period, ever since um, President Dilma was removed from power have managed to resist there's always been a resistance there and if it wasn't for that force i'm not sure that even lula would have been able to come out of jail so soon it was through the strength and through this the, the strength of these people together with the international solidarity that we received that we managed to overcome the situation that Brazil, that Lula and the Workers' Party were in, in, uh, I would say, quite a short amount of time. Thank you. Thank you, Julia, and thank you so much for giving us that overview of the challenges, also the opportunities and the achievements. And thank you, and thank you and congratulations again on achieving that brilliant result here in the UK. So it's now my great pleasure to introduce Richard Bergen, MP, to say a few words. Richard is the chair of the Brazil Solidarity Initiative and has been a strong and vocal supporter of Lula and the mass movements that have challenged Bolsonaro's far-right agenda over the past four years. In the months leading up to the presidential election, Richard carried out fantastic work in Parliament, putting forward early day motions, 
firmly supporting Brazilian democracy and challenging the disturbing rise of political violence seen in the run-up to the vote. Thank you for being here, Richard, and you are very welcome this evening. Over to you. Thanks so much, uh, Celia. Uh, and it's a great pleasure to be with you all uh, this uh, evening. It was almost four years ago to this very evening that we launched the Brazil Solidarity Initiative. I remember that hundreds of people filmed the room in Parliament at that launch meeting, so many that we actually needed to organise a spillover room, not something that often happens in Parliament. And that was just days after Bolsonaro became Brazil's president. Much of the world at that time was in shock. I'm sure you'll remember it well, in shock at the arrival of this neo-fascist to power in one of the world's largest democracies. So many people were stunned by the victory of this supporter of the blood-soaked dictatorships that ruled Latin America in its darkest days. So we launched the Brazil Solidarity Initiative that night because we knew that Bolsonaro presented a threat to Brazil's diverse working class, a threat to democracy, and even a threat to our planet itself. But we also launched the Brazil Solidarity Initiative because we knew that Lula was innocent. We knew that not just Lula, but the whole Brazilian people had been cheated in that rigged election process in 2018. When Lula, the favourite to win, was taken out on phony charges of corruption. When we saw so clearly how judicial coups are the latest means of ousting progressive Latin American presidents. How they are really the modern twist on the US military coups that dominated the previous century. Though of course military coups still happen too as we saw with Evo Morales in Bolivia. That coup against Lula was the latest in the anti-democratic shift of the Brazilian political class. And it had been years in the making. And tonight, I think it's also really important that we also pay tribute to President Dilma. President Dilma, who was herself treated so unjustly too. Yet most of the Western media went along with all this lawfare. In Europe and in the USA, very few mainstream politicians spoke out against the political targeting of Lula. Too many politicians, I'm afraid, just stared at the ground, shuffled their feet when Lula's case came up. Many were embarrassed to have ever supported him. From too many, instead of a wall of solidarity, there was a wall of silence. But the Brazilian people never gave up. They knew that the corruption charges were simply a stack of lies pushed by the elites to secure a government that ruled in their interests alone. The formation of the global Free Lula movement in 2018 was key to Lula's release and key to his subsequent re-election. Brazilian people fought so hard for this victory and they will now reap their rewards with a president that puts people and planet before profit. But the truth is, we are all boosted by the return of Lula, because Lula and his victory represents hope. The hope that we as a people can always turn things round. The hope that people can be fed and housed and have access to culture, education and a decent wage. The hope 
that our planet can be saved, the hope that social inclusion and equality can overcome hate and violence, the hope that justice will be done, Lula is hope. But it will be a huge fight to turn that hope into reality because powerful interests oppose Lula still now. We know that some of those welcoming Lula's victory in Brazil, in Washington and elsewhere were not long ago complicit in his jailing. Directly or passively, they played their part. We know that many now will be trying to clip Lula's wings to crush that hope and to ensure it's business, and I do mean business as usual in Brazil. So we need to continue to offer the Brazilian people our solidarity. So we stand today with Lula. We stand with all those who struggled for Lula's freedom. And we stand with everyone fighting for a Brazil run in the interests of the many, not the elites. So today we celebrate that victory and the return of Lula. But over the coming months and years, we need to keep the flame of solidarity burning bright. And that's why the Brazil Solidarity Initiative, which I've been so proud and I'm so proud to chair, it's done some important work, but we can't stop now because we've got a very important role to play going ahead in providing the support and solidarity that we can to the people of Brazil. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed, Richard, for that really inspiring words. And thank you for standing with Lula through the incredibly difficult period of his political persecution and jailing. And it's brilliant that today we can come together to celebrate Lula's victory after years of very difficult campaign work. So next, I'm delighted to introduce Mariella Cohon. Mariella is the Senior International Officer for the TUC. The TUC has been working with Brazilian trade unions, academics and activists to challenge Bolsonaro's reactionary agenda and was also a strong supporter of Lula throughout his political persecution. Mariella, thank you for joining us this evening. You are very welcome. Over to you. Thanks, Celia, and um, thanks to Patrick and BSI for organising this. It's a real pleasure to to take part, and and great to see you know many panelists that I know well that we've worked um, together with. And congratulations to everyone, um, especially to the PT and to the people of Brazil uh, for this amazing victory. It's a victory not just for Brazil, but for the whole of America and obviously for for all anti-racists, anti-fascists, um, all socialists, everyone working for, for democracy. So really um, excited to take part. As Celia said, for the TUC, Brazil has been a priority for, for many years and it's one of our priority countries that we've focused on uh, since the coup the administrative coup against Dilma um, since Lula's imprisonment, the TC has played an active role in the global trade union movement, um, which really has put, you know, the Lula Libre campaign at the time, put it at the top of top of the agenda. And we were fortunate to have, you know, many messages and letters from Lula um, during his time in prison, read out at our Congress at various events. So there really is, you know, a strong trade union support for for the for the people in Brazil and, and always for the campaign to free Lula. Um, also, you know, just to put on record our support for, for BSI and, and the great work they do with very limited resources. Um, I think, you know, for the TUC, we obviously have a very strong 
close relationship with the culture, with our sister trade union um, center in Brazil. And in the most recent years, we've seen Brazil sadly come to that top of the list of, of the 10 worst places in the world for workers' rights. So it's increasingly become, you know, a priority in terms of workers' rights as well. Obviously, under Bolsonaro, everyone knows, you know, the attack um, that came onto trade unions, onto workers' rights, on, you know, beyond just you know, the headlines, there was real impact on the right to organise and the right to, to represent workers, as well as the racism, the misogyny, the attack on women's rights, the attack on the environment and everything else that we saw happen in the last few years of the Bolsonaro administration. I think also, you know, for us, another priority in the international work of the TUC is to build a trade union response to the growth of the far right. And obviously, Bolsonaro really represented, you know, that um that growing international far right that they're organizing across borders, funding each other, sharing strategies. So we've been working with trade unions in Brazil, um, but also in Argentina and Chile and Spain and Italy to build a, a global anti-fascist trade union network. And the Brazilian unions are very much part of that network with us. I think, you know, there's there's experts on the panel and I'm sure, you know, Julia's already touched on, on many things and Richard as well and others will, will talk about the significance of of this uh, victory of this election victory and the obstacles you know despite the huge disinformation the huge amount of of donations and disproportionate money that bolsonaro had in his campaign um and the social media platforms being used um against dula also the role of of the police on the day of the on the day of the election and many other you know obstacles that lula faced i think it really is, you know, a tribute to the to the the scope of organization and how the opposition has been able to build a really broad coalition to be able to come together and organize at all levels of society to win this election. Um, the COOT Brazil, our sister trade union center, has put out a statement, obviously welcoming uh, this victory. Um, I think, you know, something they've highlighted is is the importance of political participation of workers in in the process of changing um, the you know the political situation in a country? And I think they highlighted it perfectly when they said this victory re represents Brazil's reunion with those who defend democracy, the rule of law, respect the rights of workers, and the end of poverty and hunger. So I think you know our trade union brothers and sisters are very much at the forefront of this campaign and it's you know industrial, it's political, it's social, um, and it is a victory for for them to make a reality, I think. I just wanted to touch on a couple of other points in terms of the regional and, and the global you know impact of this. Um, Lula has made very clear in his victory speech and also in the campaign um, many things that we would welcome. I, I liked one of the lines in his victory speech where he talks of Brazilians wanting books instead of weapons. And I think that, you know, as well as all the commitments to ending deforestation and, you know, tackling inequality in Brazil and talking about reindustrialization and the digital and green economy and all the things he's committed to, I particularly also wanted to highlight, you know, his his very vocal commitment to peace um, and to internationalism and to those principles of internationalist solidarity and peace that he has alluded to. And I think as such a big, you know, economy and such a big player in the kind of global South, Brazil really has a huge responsibility and role to play in building a more, you know, multilateral world based on those principles. So 
I think he's talked about the need for peace negotiations, the need to push, um, you know, to play a role in promoting peace internationally. And it's not just conflict that we're seeing in Europe, but around the world that I think Brazil could play a really important role in. Also, in terms of the Latin American region, obviously, we just had the victory in Colombia of, of President Lula, of Petro. And I think, you know, this shift, we all know what this means for the whole of Latin America and very different, you know, ideological backgrounds, not all, you know, left, left, some more moderate, but I think we're seeing that shift in the whole South um, of America and, and what that means in terms of providing a really strong kind of South block to confront um, some of the, the policies we're seeing globally, I think is really significant. So, you know, the, the prospects for Latin American, you know, reintegration processes and, and other forms of cooperation are really strong and really positive. And so, as I said, I think it is a victory for the region um, and for workers everywhere. So we're 100% committed to, to supporting, you know, the Brazilians people. I think they've got real challenges. It's obviously not the same landscape in Brazil as when Lula first won. So we're there, you know, in solidarity and, and to learn also from their experiences of how they've managed to build that coalition and what they've done to push back against some of those really hateful narratives. So congratulations again on behalf of the TC. We're really looking forward to working with BSI, with, with Julia, and I think we'll be trying to bring someone over from the Brazilian trade union movement in the new year. We know there's the Latin America conference and hopefully we can do some more work to, you know, to highlight this um, and build on our support. Thank you very much again for the invitation. Thank you so much, Mariella, and thank you not only for the links that you have been building over the years with Brazil and with the progressive movement there, but also the really important work that the TUC has been doing in terms of challenging the, the rise of the far right and all that really important work with trade unionists. So thank you very much. Um, I'm really pleased now to um, introduce our next guest, who is Dr. Francisco Dominguez. Um, Francisco is an expert on Latin American politics. He was head of Latin American studies at uh, Middlesex University, and he has been a powerful and informative voice for international solidarity with movements across Latin America over many years. So we're delighted to welcome Francisco, and uh, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, Celia. This is a fantastic um, initiative, and I congratulate the organizers because the weight of Brazil, or any, any victory in Latin America must be welcome, but the weight of Brazil in the region, but also internationally, cannot be, um, you know, it's got to be appreciated. It's huge, it's really gigantic. I was jumping in one leg when, you know, very late in, well, not very late, but that day when we got the results of the second round. And most importantly, I want to claim that we in Latin America are winning, you know, which is something that many people are not accustomed to. I'll say very few things because there are more important speakers. I have much more with the word in the election themselves, so it's more important to listen to them. But just to summarize in one, in a couple of sentences, you know, on top of what everybody has said about the legacy that Bolsonaro left, not only left an economy in real disarray, 
the GDP of Brazil by 2014-2015 was $2.6 trillion. By now, it's about $1.6 trillion. Not everything can be attributed to him, but a great deal of that decline can be attributed to him because he is, under his administration, in about three years, he created 33 million people who actually cannot eat every, every day and sometimes not three meals a day. 33 million um, in a contest where the governments of the Workers' Party from 2002 all the way to 2016 actually are taking 36 million or out of poverty and the question of hunger has been completely eradicated. And on top of that, Bolsonaro leaves 100 million people poor when at the time when the Workers' Party ended his governance you know, was much, much smaller than this. So I want to concentrate on a couple of things which I think to me are very important. This election was not the same elections as before because of the, you know, confronting Bolsonaro is not the same thing as confronting the traditional right. Nevertheless, it is important to bear in mind that the Workers' Party has always won in 2002, 2006, 2010, and 2014 on the second round. So in that sense, it's sort of normal. And number two, also very important, every time the Workers' Party has won a presidential election in all those years that I mentioned, 2002, 6, 10, and 14, never got a majority in parliament. Obviously, the extreme right wing now in parliament is quite a problem. Bolsonaro has 99 MPs in the parliament, in Congress, out of a total of 513 deputies, the Workers' Party has 79. But I've just been following the news literally every single hour and every single day, ever since the election. And there is something which people mention all the time when it comes to Lula. Um, and they call, they say that Lula has a huge amount of what they call in Portuguese, jogo de cintura, which is, his ability to really operate very skillfully, um, you know, not unscrupulously, but very skillfully, in, be, in order to actually bring together broader and broader coalitions so that that allows him to have governability. The Workers' Party had governability from 2002 to 2006, the same from 2006, 2010, and the same to that from 2010 to 2014, and things stopped in 2016 because the right wing decided that they couldn't allow the Workers' Party to continue winning elections because Lula was going to be the candidate in 2018. Had Lula won, then he would have won the election in 2022 and definitely would have been, he would have been the presidential candidate for 2022. So he would have been empower the Workers' Party from 2002 all the way to 2026, something that they couldn't stomach, and they went for it really uh, horribly. And they took advantage of the credit crunch created by, you know, the criminal activities of capitalism in the world. So that's number one. And there is a thing in Brazil now which is called Central, which is a sort of very amorphous center, which has got all sorts of shades of the meaning. And Lula has made some connections already very publicly that is bringing in significant forces from this center, 
which will allow him to actually have that governability. Already the impact in the world is very significant. Money that was withheld to protect the, the Amazon is being released. Um, the stock exchange in Brazil went through the roof and the real, the, you know, the Brazilian currency actually has appreciated quite substantially only in these three, four, five days. So the signs are very good. Um, it's interesting, and I'll make this very short, the establishment realized that by having created this monstrosity called Bolsonaro, they couldn't control it later on. And Bolsonaro was destroying their base of, you know, profits, destroying the economy. So they decided to turn against him. It's the first time ever I've seen that the, you know, mainstream media in Brazil has been critical of Bolsonaro. And Broadly speaking, I don't want to exaggerate the point, you know, supportive of Lula, which I never expected that to happen. So I think, therefore, all the conditions exist for the Lula government to succeed, even though it's going to be difficult. We know this. And being a bit selfish, I want to finish with this. I know that Brazil and the Workers' Party and Lula himself is going to be extremely busy with Brazil itself. But we want Brazil to play that wonderful, substantial, weighty role in Latin America so that we restart the process of regional integration that produces so benefits for the population as it did the last pink tide, um, you know, in the what we call the golden day, the golden uh, decade. Um, Latin America, expressed by the President of Mexico, Argentina, Bolivia, you name it, it was behind the success of Lula and Wright, ready to support. So they're all waiting for Brazil to begin to play their role. So I'm very, extremely hopeful, um, quite optimistic. I know things are difficult. So I want to end up with a positive message saying we're winning. Viva Lula, solidarity with the people of Brazil. Thank you. Thank you so much, Francisco, and I think we'll all be joining you in echoing uh, Viva Lula and solidarity with the people of Brazil. Um, thank you very much for that contribution. So I'm delighted to introduce our next speaker, uh, Natalia Urban. Natalia is a journalist for Brazil Wire. Um, and Natalia and the Brazil Wire team have done a really fantastic work reporting on Brazil in the past few years accurately reporting Lula's political persecution and the erosion of democracy in Brazil, while so many other outlets were silent. So a really important voice from Brazil or of Brazil in recent years. Thank you to uh, Natalia, the floor is yours and welcome. Thank you so much. Um, I would like to thank everybody here um, on behalf of Brazil Wire and on behalf of Brazilians, um, all the support you gave to us. It wasn't, it was a very difficult time for all Brazilians, especially for the socialists, for the progressive and for the ones who are pro-democracy, uh, seeing the, the, the state, uh, we, our homeland was under Bolsonaro and after everything that happened since the 2016 coup. And I would like to talk today uh, the importance of Lula, not just for like Francisco, Mariela, and others were saying about like Lula for Latin America, but also like Lula for the international political polarization. We, uh, 
have to be very um, smart and humble to admit that Brazil did something that could be unthinkable and the situation, the political situation we are living now in Europe, that you had a government, uh, a far-right government uh, being defeated with the help of the people, the trade unions, social movements, and the internationalism of the left defeating, defeated by Lula, someone that, like Steve Bannon said, the global poster boy from the internationalist left. I cannot say if Lula is or isn't the internationalist, uh, the, the global poster boy for the internationalist left. But he is someone that is extremely committed to uh, um, mediate and solve many of the international crises, not just in Latin America, but internationally speaking. Uh, Brazil always had a very uh, under PT government always had a very interested uh, uh, foreigner policy, especially regarding international conflicts, especially with the situation of Palestine, with the situation of Middle East, with the situation of Africa. Lula was someone that always had that concern of like having a south to south foreigner policy. And this will be again on the agenda. Um, since the 2016 uh, parliamentary coup, the government that succeeded Dilma Rousseff, which was the illegitimate government like us from Brazil, I like to say with Michel Temer, uh, Brazil had not used uh, foreigner policy as a development instrument. Uh, it used it uh, mainly towards uh, ideological purposes and to benefit uh, the US uh, imperialist agenda, especially in Latin America. Brazil interested were left aside uh, and the situation materialized by the weakening of the integration of the country in Latin America, which is something that I'm very glad to say that Lula will ratify now in, uh, in, in power again. Um, because Lula was someone that he said already that one of the first things he will do is the reconstruction of the National Bank for Economy, economy and Social Development as a foreigner policy too, not letting uh, Global South countries in the hands of the uh, uh, IMF and other international uh, neoliberal uh, instruments. The straining of Mercosur, the straining of the communities of Latin America and Caribbean uh, states, uh, the, the new negotiations for a proper Runa Sur, which would be uh, the, the, the connection, like uh, uh, the union of the South American countries. And the most important thing is that in his victory speech on the night of October 30, uh, Lula emphasized that Brazil will no longer be a pariah of society. Brazil will be an international protagonism. So I think if we have lessons, if uh, the international left is uh, uh, humble enough to learn lessons from Brazil, they will uh, be able to learn that with someone that like Lula, that was in prison, that uh, went through an international campaign of defamation, that lost his wife, who lost his, grand, uh, uh, his grandson, who lost his political rights, who was unjustly uh, uh, put as the 
biggest criminal mind of uh, the American continent is now back in power with the support of the worker of the working class of Brazil. Uh, it's possible for us here in Europe, it's possible for everybody to defeat the international far right. Because like Lula always said, they might try to uh, uh, undermine me, they will try to kill me, they will try to do everything against me. But my ideas are already there, they are already with the people. And he's not talking just about the Brazilian people, he's talking about everybody. Uh, we all should uh, work closely with Latin America. We all should work closely with Brazil and learn those lessons about how to properly not just defeat the far right, but also to give, to empower again the working class. So I think Lula's election means that the working class winning again the dignity of being proud, like myself, to say that I'm Brazilian. So thank you so much for having me here tonight. Thank you so much, Natalia. That was really inspirational. And uh, thank you for all the work that you and your colleagues have been doing over many years and providing that really vital voice for us from Brazil. Um, before I introduce our next speaker, um, I just want to give apologies from uh, Zara Sultana, who unfortunately um, is unable to join us this evening. She was very much looking forward to being here tonight but unfortunately events have, have meant that she's unable to join us so um, solidarity to Zara and um, apologies from her. Um, before we go to our next um, speakers I'm, I'm going to introduce Patrick Foley from the, he, Patrick is the coordinator of the Brazil Solidarity Initiative and he's going to talk to us about how we can support the campaign going forward. Over to you Patrick. Thank you Celia and thanks so much for chairing tonight's celebration. It's been um, really lovely to hear you know such a range of voices and a lot of people who've worked very hard over the last few years to make this victory happen and um, a lot of people who deserve a lot of credit for, for standing by Lula when, when times are tough and, and really sticking out the fight to show that Lula was the man we needed. Lula was the president, not only that Brazil needs, but that the whole world needs right now. Um, and what a fantastic day it was uh, on Sunday night. You know, I could I could barely sleep when that when that result came in, and you know, I still can't quite believe it. What, what's happened after you consider that Lula was someone that we were fighting a free Lula campaign for to get him out of jail just three years ago? You know, absolutely incredible journey there that we can all take inspiration from. Um, before I do some campaign plugs I'd just like to um, say you know there's been great to have so many of you on the call tonight and we've had people signing in from across the country and across the globe um, and I can't list them all because I'll be here all night but just to name a few we've got people from Northumberland, Merseyside, Cheshire, Lewisham, from Rio, from Edinburgh, from Indonesia, um, from Pittsburgh in the US, from Dusseldorf, Dusseldorf uh, across London we've got people signing in from Catalonia in Spain, from Brasilia, um, from Oldham, from Wales, from Scotland, some from Gaza and Palestine. Um, so it's just fantastic to have people from across the world tuning in for, for the celebration. And, and we can all stand together and be proud of proud of each other for, for speaking up for Lula when so many others wouldn't. Um, I'd also like to briefly just mention some of the, the great work of, of the Brazilian-led campaigns here in the UK, and particularly PT Lundres, which we've heard from Julia, but also Frente Preta UK, 
uh, and Brazil Matters. And, and, and these campaigners are, have just done an amazing job at mobilizing Brazilian activists to come out and vote, you know, from, from holding a rally outside on the polling station uh, on polling day to um, the, the fantastic, I don't know if anyone saw the, the photos online, but these fantastic images of Bolsonaro um, driven around on election day, um, organized by Brazil Matters. So um, there'll be links in the chat there if you could, if you can um, check them all out and show them, show your support for them. And of course, I'm here from the Brazil Solidarity Initiative and we need your support as well. So holding meetings like these costs a lot of money, it costs a lot of time. Um, I know a lot of you have donated with your registration. I'd like to thank you very much. But also for those of you who haven't yet donated, please do consider donating £10 or whatever you can afford to, um, to help us cover the cost of this meeting, but also to ensure that our campaign work can, can continue into the future. Lula has one, but it is only just the beginning. And after years of, of mobilizing activists to, to defend Brazilian democracy, we're now going to be taking a much more positive role and showing what a left government looks like across the world and, and bringing inspiration to our movements here in the UK. So please, please do consider donating. Um, without your support, we wouldn't be able to run this campaign. We wouldn't be able to do any of the amazing work that it's been a privilege to be carrying out over the last um, four years. So please consider donating and please also follow us on social media, check out the website, um, you know, by sharing and retweeting our, our, our accounts, you're helping getting those messages out there and helping educate people about Lula and about what uh, um, Lula's achievements and, and what the challenges and the accomplishments that they'll be uh, coming up against and achieving in the next few years. Please also get, feel free to get in touch with the Brazil Solidarity Initiative. We can send a speaker to your union, to your organisation branch, to your Labour CLP, uh, and we can talk to you about the election and talk to you about Brazil and, and the political situation there. So thank you all for, for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure working with some of the, the speakers on, on this panel. Um, and it's been amazing to have the support of so many across the country and, and now, as we see, across the globe as well. Uh, so again, I'll just end on this. If you can donate, please do. If you can't afford it, that's okay. There'll be others on this call who'll be donating for you. Um, so thank you and back over to you, Celia. Thank you so much, Patrick. And I want to echo the comments earlier by Mariella and thank the Brazil Solidarity Initiative for putting on tonight's rally, which is absolutely fantastic, so well-timed and really, really important. Um, we are still waiting for Noam Chomsky to arrive. We're hopeful that he will get here before the end of the meeting. I know we're all really excited to hear from him, uh, but he's not here yet. So I'm going to introduce now somebody else that I know we will all be very excited to hear from. Um, it's a man who needs very little introduction, Jeremy Corbyn. In addition to being MP for Islington North, Jeremy is a longtime friend and supporter of Lula, Brazil and progressive move movements across Latin America and indeed across the world. Jeremy was in Brazil to observe the election and I know we're all really excited to hear what he has to say. Thank you for joining us, Jeremy. Over to you. First of all, Celia, thank you to you for not just chairing tonight's meeting, but also the international work of the NEU and before that, the NUT, over many, many years, that solidarity you've shown for people all over the world, from Palestine to Chile to Brazil, 
to so many other places. Thank you very much, because uh, that uh, international work by unions is absolutely central to everything that we are trying to achieve. And Mariella, speaking on behalf of the TUC, an enormous, enormous thank you to you, not just for tonight, but all the other things you've done over so many years to support international campaigns on the good days and the bad. Um, I was delighted to be able to go to Brazil for the election. I went um, through Progressive International and uh, I went with Zara Sultan, who sadly can't be with us this evening, but uh, we are great comrades. We work very closely together and she was an absolutely brilliant part of our team. And the other member of the team was Lara Alvarez from the Peace and Justice Project, who does our international coordination and cooperation because we're going to have to do an awful lot of more of that in the future. I first um, heard about Lula many, many years ago in the context of the left in Brazil when the country was coming out of military dictatorship and the importance of uh, liberation theologists within the church, as well as the growth of the PT and trade, trade union movements in Brazil. And indeed, I went to Brazil during uh, one of Lula's earlier unsuccessful election campaigns. I spoke at a very large PT rally uh, just before the election and discovered that Peter Mandelson was also um, in town at the same time speaking at an election rally. But sadly, it wasn't for the PT. It was for somebody else. Uh, so he and I, not for the first time, were not on the same platform. Um, we didn't win on that occasion, but Lula did win later on and his governments and that of Dilma were dedicated towards uh, eliminating poverty and redistribution of wealth and power um, in Brazil. Well, the rich and powerful don't give up without a fight. In Chile, they organized a brutal coup, which ended up with the death of Salvador Allende and thousands of others. In Argentina, they organized a coup and they organized um, the uh, Operation Condor in the Southern Cone, which cost the lives of 25,000 people. In Brazil, the military killed many in the 1964 coup and many more since then. And so the idea that there's going to be a peaceful change of everything in a great country like Brazil is simply not going to happen. Nothing will be given up without a fight. And so the uh, methods might have changed, but the tactics haven't. And those are the tactics that we used against Lula and against Dilma. And just think of this. They thought Lula was dead and buried in prison on trumped up charges. They thought Dilma was gone, removed from office by lawfare. And there was something deeply pleasurable on the Saturday evening, the day before the election, sitting down to dinner with the former president of Uruguay and the former president of Brazil to talk about the prospects for Brazil in the future. It was to me a memorable and utterly magical evening that I spent listening to them, talking to them about what comes up next. Now, Lula won, not because of um, smart triangulation politics of um, appealing to this right-wing newspaper, that right-wing newspaper, this prejudice, that prejudice, and trying to endlessly triangulate around into a, a vortex of nothingness. No, it was an amazing coalition. 
a coalition of unions, of the PT, of other left parties, socialist parties, and of the landless people's movement, the, the homeless people's movement, the indigenous people's movements, and all the human rights and justice campaigns in Brazil. He brought them all together. Now, watching the results uh, sort of reminded me of what we'd spent the previous two days doing visiting the communal kitchens organized by the homeless movement, seeing some of the new buildings the homeless movement had managed to construct using funds from Lilma, uh, Lula and Dilma's time as president, giving a lecture, conference, uh, panel discussion at the Landless Workers Movement's college just outside um, Sao Paulo. And just seeing the sheer determination and joy of people on the streets of Sao Paulo the day before the elections. No campaigning allowed, so no speeches, but you could wave placards, you could wave at the crowd and you could sing. And people did wave and they did sing. Many of those people that came were, were and are desperately poor. They couldn't even afford to buy the t-shirts and hats that were on offer in support of Lula. So many people just gave them away and gave them to people, as one should. And it was that sheer determination of hope and joy that was there on the streets. Then you know, I asked myself the next day, we were watching the results coming in. Why is it so close? All this support. And then you realise the strength of the media in Brazil. I remembered very clearly the lessons from that wonderful film about the coup that Victor Fraga and I spoke at on a number of occasions at events the PJP organised in cinemas, and we had that discussion. And then watching the results come in, I thought people were over-optimistic because I've got a photo of the point on the television when Lula's support crept up to 50.01. Everybody started cheering and dancing around the room saying, we've won, we've won, we've won. I said, hang on a minute, there's still 31% of the votes to be counted. We're not there yet. But it obviously going ahead is better than being behind. And victory was achieved. Less than 1% for sure, but that's a lot of votes in Brazil. And Lula clearly has a mandate, but he has massive problems to face. Massive problems of um, lack of a majority in the, in the parliamentary system, um, the funding problems that the incoming Brazilian government will have because of the uh, behaviour of Bolsonaro in the latter months of his presidency and what resources are going to be left there for health, for housing, for education and all the other things. But what impressed me about his victory speech, and it was made when we were all there, he was in the, in the same hotel as all of us as he made that, then he came in and gave a special message to international guests in which he said, thank you to those that express international solidarity. And I'm very proud that as leader of the Labour Party, I sent the strongest possible, clearest message of full solidarity of the Labour Party with Lula, whilst I was leader of that party and would always do that. It's important to send these things, these messages out. And then you look at um, the rest of his speech, a commitment on an anti-poverty campaign, a commitment on environmental sustainability, a commitment on protection of the Amazon rainforest, a commitment on redistribution of wealth and power, an absolutely firm and very clear commitment in support 
of those people seeking a place of safety. There are many refugees from Haiti and other places who are arriving in Brazil. And opposition to racism in any form whatsoever. Levels of institutional racism in Brazil are still a huge and massive issue. And opposition to any form of homophobia, anti-LGBT, anti-trans, or whatever it happens to be. He was giving a very clear message. We have won, and he you kept using the word we, not I, we have won the presidency because we've brought people together. He does face massive issues now. And uh, his voice and his figure on the international stage will be important because he also said, we don't want a Cold War. We don't want to be involved in wars. We will have relations with the USA. We will have relations with Russia. We'll have relations with China. We'll have relations with India. We don't want to join in a Cold War. We want to live in a world of peace. Maybe he'll be the international figure that will help to end the terrible war in the Ukraine, bring about some form of diplomatic initiative and peace process. An awful lot lies on his shoulders. His experience is massive and his knowledge is huge and his ability to unite people is massive. But we shouldn't just say, great, what a wonderful campaign. We finally got something to be proud of. We've won. It's a seismic movement across Latin America. You now have, broadly speaking, left governments in most countries of Latin America. That whole process of Latin American economic integration. So it stops being a continent that exports primary products and raw materials, instead becomes a place that's fulfilling the environmental sustainable needs, the social needs and the economic needs of the very poorest people. We had meetings with those from the Amazon region. We had meetings with those from the black community and many other communities in Brazil who are so full of hope and optimism. Our job is to express all that solidarity that solidarity by our trade unions, by our economic interests and working with Lula and others and working with the Latin American left as a whole. That's what we're about. Solidarity is easy when you win. It's much harder when the going gets tough. So we're going to need to be talking to each other quite a lot. We need to build up the closest possible relations with our friends in Brazil and all the other countries. The inauguration on January the 1st will be an amazing and massive occasion. We spoke to one of the newly elected deputies, um, an indigenous um, woman from Amazon region, and she was saying they want the uh, inauguration on the 1st of January to be a celebration of the plurality and the diversity of the urban working class, of the favela population, of the rural landless people, those people that have benefited from previous anti-poverty programs and above all those that are scared to death of their natural forests around them being burnt down and their sustainable agriculture being destroyed as a result of it. We've got to understand the complications of the process they're in but above all show our support, our strength and our solidarity and so that this isn't just one great night that we celebrate, this is that huge stepping stone on the onward march of Latin America. I was asked for one if I could give some advice for education. And I mean, I'm in no position to advise anybody about education. That's Celia's job. She's in the NEU. But what I did say was that I thought one required text for all children in school all across Central and Latin and South America would be 
Eduardo Galeano's book, The Open Veins of Latin America, to understand the cultural diversity of the whole continent. We've done amazing work to get this far. Huge, huge congratulations to those that stood by Lula while he was in prison, that stood by Lula when he was being vilified, that stood by Dilma. And you know what? Dilma said she'd love to come and visit us again, as she did in the past, to give us a talk about solidarity with Brazil. And I've already got ready an invitation to be sent over to Dilma saying, please come. You'll be so welcome here. And Lula, of course, will be welcome whenever he can come. Solidarity, absolutely. But let's share this moment of hope and of joy. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Jeremy, for that absolutely inspirational um, speech. Thank you very much. And thank you for everything you do both here in the UK and internationally. And I'd like to thank all tonight's speakers, Julia, Richard, Mariella, Francisco, Natalia, and of course you, Jeremy. And I'd also like to thank Patrick and the team at the Brazil Solidarity Initiative for putting on tonight's rally. Unfortunately, it seems that Noam Chomsky won't be able to join us this evening, but we will try and get a video message that we will share with all tonight's attendees, and we will also put it on the Brazil so, uh, Brazil Solidarity social media. Celia, can I interrupt? Yes. Um, on the first day we arrived, despite having just come off the plane, we were whisked off immediately to meet Noam Chomsky. And um, he was um, having a sort of mid-morning late breakfast. So I gave him something to remember the visit by, which was a jar of my homemade jam um, for him to enjoy for future breakfast. And he was very grateful for that. And we had a lovely chat and he was totally on the ball, totally with it and said what a great and historic occasion it was and how much he enjoyed working with all of us that are campaigning on Latin America. So I think what we could do is perhaps ask Noam if he could record a short video message, which we could send to every one of the participants here. But it was wonderful to be able to meet him, give him that greeting and that um, and that small gift, and to say to him that we just so appreciate all he's done over decades and decades, all of my life, uh, giving inspiration and hope to people. And he was there with Fernando Haddad, and we had a cup of coffee together and a nice chat. And whilst Fernando sadly didn't get elected governor of Sao Paulo, um, he is going to be, I think, one of the leading and absolutely crucial figures in Lula's new administration. So, I mean, I know I haven't spoken to Noam today, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind if I said on behalf of Noam Chomsky, thank you very much and absolute greetings. Thanks, Jeremy. We absolutely will get that video message from you. Sorry, Celia, I, I can actually see that, that Gnome's just, just joined us. Um, oh, amazing. Fantastic news. Absolutely amazing. Um, so I'm just going to give Gnome a minute or two to, um, to get himself um, settled in. And um, I'm now going to say how delighted I am to welcome Noam Chomsky and thank him for taking the time for, uh, to join us for this evening's uh, celebration. I'm sure uh, we all know Noam is a world-renowned writer and political thinker and an inspiring figure for the left across the globe. So it's really appropriate that Noam is here to close our rally tonight and to talk about Brazil, the election, solidarity with Lula. Over to you, uh, Noam. I'm very glad to be with you. There have been dark days for years now, 
but Brazil is finally entering a time of hope. It could be a time of revival, a resumption of what in fact was being achieved early in this century during Lula's terms in office. Tasks ahead are daunting. Uh, Brazil has a marvelous endowment of resources. Far too many of its people live in deep poverty, lacking the basic necessities of life. All of this must be overcome, can be overcome. High barriers, no easy task, but it's a task that just can't be shirked. Well, the most treasured of Brazil's resources are the Amazon forests. That's a unique gift to Brazil, in fact, the whole world. As you all know, they've been under very severe attack in recent years, so much so that it's beginning to threaten their survival. There are sections of the forest which are now beginning to revert to savannah. If that continues, it'll all be lost. There is still time to save them. And also, we should never forget to save their inhabitants, the indigenous tribes that have been in the forefront of the campaign to save us from our folly in Brazil. First Nations in Canada, Aboriginal tribes in Australia, tribal groups in India, all over the world, pleading with us to wake up in time. There's time uh, to save them from destruction and also to move forward in developing the rich potential of the forests for a much better life for all. Well, Lula, I presume, will be going to the COP27 meetings. Brazil can become, under his leadership, a leading actor in the world stage, a voice for peace and justice in the world, and particularly a voice for the global South, as it was during his first terms, period that was called by the World Bank, the golden decade in Brazil's history. Brazil then became the most respected country in the world for good reasons, can become so again. And we shouldn't overlook the fact that a voice for the global South has never been needed more than it is today. Right now, at the COP27 meetings. It's a desperate effort to save human society from a plunge into the abyss. And as in earlier years, Lula's present can be, presence can be a powerful impetus to try to bring the world to its senses before it's too late. Quite appropriately, the meetings are in Africa it's kind of a microcosm of a race to suicide. Just look across the continent. 
at one end, flooding in my Nigeria in almost every state has driven a million and a half people from their homes across the continent, go to the other end, the Horn of Africa, calamitous drought. It's killing two people every minute, according to Oxfam. The rich countries of the world promised $100 billion for adaptation. It's a fraction of what is needed. It's a minuscule fraction of what the rich world knows it owes after centuries of destruction. You take a look at the funds that have so far been pledged. They are in fact about a tenth, one-tenth of what the rich fund countries are spending in subsidies to fossil fuel companies. A tenth of what they're sending in subsidies to these companies which are luxuriating in their highest profits ever. The actual promised 100 billion is what the biggest oil companies have earned in each quarter this year. What's actually happening was captured pretty lucidly and simply by Mohamed Addo, the head of Power Shift Africa. So the needs of the world's vulnerable people have been sacrificed on the altar of the rich world selflessness. And it's happening right now before our eyes. Well, under Lula's leadership, Brazil can help bring this tragedy to an end. It's only one example, a major example of what we can hope for. Well, I don't have to recount for you the barriers that stand ahead. You know them as well as I do or better. They can and must be overcome. We're now celebrating rightly a moment of hope, time for struggle, a time for the victory that must be achieved. Thank you so much for those inspirational words, Noman. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute privilege to hear from you. I'd like to thank again our panel of speakers who've all been absolutely brilliant. I'd like to thank Brazil Solidarity for organising tonight's event. It's been really uplifting to hear about Lula's victory and what his presidency will bring. Lula's journey is one that inspires us all and shows us that if we keep fighting, we can win the change we need, even when we're up against incredibly difficult circumstances. Please remember to show your support for the Brazil Solidarity Initiative, whether through donating in the links provided or by following and sharing their work on social media. While Lula will be inaugurated in January, the battle against the far-right hate that Bolsonaro represents is certainly not over yet. Our international solidarity and support will continue to be needed in the months and years to come. Thank you all for taking part tonight. Lula, we congratulate you and the millions of Brazilians who stood with you to make this wonderful election victory possible. Viva Lula, viva Brazil. Thank you for joining us.